Live from Woking, this is the Saturday Brunch with Emma Williams. Good morning, beleaguered comrades, and welcome to the Saturday Brunch show with me, Emma Williams, where today I'll be finding out about changing your career into teaching. What's it like becoming a teacher as a second career, and why in the Lord's name would anyone consider it? Are they crazy? Or is it the best thing they've ever done? Tune in, talk it out. We're live. Live from Woking, this is the Saturday Brunch with Emma Williams on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for joining me. I see we've got some live listeners already, which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, this morning, I'm going to be talking to Katie Waldegrave, who is one of the co-founders of an organisation called Now Teach. Uh, And it's an organisation that supports people in switching their career into teaching. So speaking as someone who started as a teacher straight after education, albeit I spent quite a long time faffing about in education with uh, what we're doing, masters and PhDs and really foolish ideas like that. But ultimately, I did come straight out of um, a university setting and into teacher training and then into teaching. So as so many people see it, and as I will no doubt be discussing with Harry Hudson in a fortnight's time, uh, a lot of people would see me as someone who's never been in the real world because I've always been in some form of education. So I'm really interested to hear what it's like for teachers who've joined the profession later in life uh, and after a previous career. So I think I do already have Katie with me, uh, ready. So let's see if we can connect. Hi, Katie, are you there? Hi there, I am, how are you? I'm well, how are you this morning? (laughs) Not too bad, I've dispatched the children off to my husband to the excitement of a car wash trip. Ah. So um, hopefully that'll keep them quiet and out of the way for a little while. Tell you what, joking apart, I seem to remember going through the car wash being the most exciting experience when I was a child. No, no, me too. And I don't actually think cars have done it before. So they weren't weren't that excited when they left, but I think they're going to come back uh, with whole new people. (laughs) Absolutely bouncing. (laughs) Exactly, that's the plan. Well, it's lovely to have you on the show. Thank you so much for uh, coming on to Teachers Talk Radio to tell me all about your organisation. So as I understand it, it seems to be a bit of a a chance meeting with you and your co-founder, Lucy Calloway, that started the whole project. Is that right? That's exactly it. Um, We were introduced um, and I had in fact, it was mm, summer of 2016. I just had twins and was desperate for any kind of adult conversation, honestly. And um, <laughs> Lucy was at the age of 57 thinking of becoming a teacher. And actually, it was my mum she met somewhere completely randomly. And my mum said, oh, you should talk to my daughter. She was a teacher, but she'd also set up a charity, which I had before First Story, which continues to put writers in schools doing creative writing residencies and projects um and so I said yes great adult conversation and she turned up in the morning and I think by the time she left late that evening now teach had probably been born um 
and and I guess that first conversation where we were both holding one of these tiny, tiny babies, and they were little as twins for now, is that we had both read, um, I don't know if you've come across it, Andrew, Andrew Scott and Linda Grattan wrote a book called 100 Year Life, that should just come out, really what it says on the tin, which is all about how you know, the odds apparently, according to them, of both those children living to 100 have greater them than both not living to 100. And we were just thinking, my yes. goodness, this is going to change our relationship with work, with education, with career, you know, how we and how these things are sequenced mm. in the course of a life. Yeah. OK, so you were already thinking about the concept that the likelihood of the, at least the next generation staying in one career forever is is. It's, oh, it's not going to happen, is it? I just don't think it's going to happen. And then, of course, Lucy, which was really the thing. So she was 57. Uh, I don't know if you've come across her previously, but, you know, top of her game at the FT, every, you know, wildly successful and enjoying her job, you know, on a day-to-day basis. It was good. But she felt that she had, I guess, stopped learning. Um, she wasn't sure she was getting better at what she was doing. And she wasn't sure where she was sort of headed next, if you like. Um and at 57, I guess a generation or so ago, you might have just thought, well, you know, you hold on and then you retire and that's that's that career-wise. But actually, she's got, apart from my mum, she's got more energy than anyone I've ever met. I should yeah. give her, you know, I would think she'd be working two decades from now, probably three or four. And um, the idea of sort of heading into settling down, what she wanted was, was a whole new start. And she wanted, in her words, to do something useful. Um, uh, and I think that was for her the driver that she she just it was those two things wanting to learn and wanting to know she was being useful in a different way she didn't regret her career or anything like that it had been great but it was something new and and we thought well maybe she's not the only crazy person prepared to jack it all in and start all over again at the very bottom um, and it turns out on that hunch we've been wrong all kinds of things but on that hunch I think we were we were right there was something in the zeitgeist that you know this is life is life is changing and it's 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 not for most of us probably and certainly for the students we teach now to be one career forever um and in many ways why would that be desirable but I think teaching has tended you know of course there's never been anything to stop a career changer and there are plenty of great examples and have come across many since you know lots of people have done interesting things before and then become a teacher but we haven't been very good at campaign you know all the sort of recruitment campaigns if you like tend to focus on the universities something else it's kind of easier they're you know young people needing jobs that's where they all are it's it's much more straightforward um so our messages tend to feature pictures of young people, pictures of young people, do, you know, and it, 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 we haven't really been focusing on that group. And then to the extent that people had joined teaching later in life, um, and I say our average now teacher is, it varies a bit year to year, but I think this year it's 50-ish, 50, 51. So, you know, these are people who've had significant other careers. Um, those those people have tended to drop out at far, far higher rates than than younger people have. So the, co- the combination of the two felt important to recruit people and then to sort support them, to figure out what we and schools and others could do to, to change that statistic on, on retention after it's no good <laughs> scooping in a whole lot of people if they all just disappear. Yeah, that's fascinating. So I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that there was a higher dropout amongst people who joined the profession later. Yeah, it's literally something like it was, but it was it was when we started, it was so just over a percentage point for each year of age, you're a percent, just over a percentage point, like more likely to, to drop out. So when you come to sort of 30 years on, that's a lot more, that's a lot more likely. Yeah, gosh, that's really interesting. So 
I, I must admit, I'm, I'm going to hold my hands up and be honest here. I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the at the age group you're saying that that is that is most common for your organisation. I assumed it would be people in their thirties who got you know, being in the city and thinking, oh, where, where's my life going? It has no meaning. I must do something important. But, but that doesn't seem to be the case. It's not the majority. We definitely we definitely have a few youngsters. I mean, I think you know, Lucy, I basically set this organisation to, up to feel young. But um, so we do have a few <laughs> youngsters who creep in and get marginally teased by everybody else. Um, and that's brilliant. You know, we want to have those people too. But but I think probably it already feels less strange for some. You know, not majority of teachers do do a bit of faffing about like you did it might be extended education or it might be a year or two uh work experience in some other context so there's quite a lot of you know early 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 stage career changing that happens people starting at 27 28 or whatever um mm. and so our kind of primary focus is trying to find those people who've maybe deep down so many of them say i always wondered about being a teacher all my friends always said i should be a teacher you know it's kind of half the world thinks they, they want to write a book one day and perhaps the other half think they want to be a teacher really and and then they get to the stage where, you know almost everyone who calls us up the first question is but you know I must be too old either on some sort of statutory basis they imagine it's just illegal um or <laughs> or you know it's just not possible and I guess it's trying to point out that absolutely they are allowed and also they can um and should yeah see I, I mean speaking as someone who is shall we say staring 50 squarely in the face it's looming um I, I'm finding more and more aspects of my job more and more exhausting mm. but do you think that's because I've been doing the job for 21 years and those who change into it have got have got a, a fresh energy perhaps I don't know. I think maybe that's part of it. Um, because there's not a doubt everybody finds it totally exhausting. Um, it just it just is, isn't it? And the training perhaps particularly so. Um yeah. but I think that there's something so many of them use the word rejuvenating. It's it, it's and I think we associate and when you think of the literal meaning of that word, I guess we we associate being young so often with with learning stuff, with being at the bottom, with forming new relationships, with, you know, thinking differently about the future or trying to imagine the future. And I guess all of those things together kind of add up to give a different kind of new lease of life. So it's not that it's not exhausting. It, it is. Um, but I think when you get to 50 and suddenly think, God, I've got no idea where my life is going or what I want to, you know, where it'll be and the, all these other sort of possibilities have opened up, that that changes how you feel about yourself. Seems to me what they're experiencing. And I guess the other thing, Lucy and I sometimes, you know, she'll tease me about it, potentially, I don't know, biologically, or having met Lucy, I'm not, I don't know what you'd think, but perhaps biologically, as in some level, she's got uh, less energy, I'm not sure. But I've got three children under six and I've endlessly woken up three times in the night. And, you know, so, so I guess at each stage, we have different, um, you know, different sort of, demands on our time and on our sleep and so she says ridiculous to think that she's got less energy than me so, <laughs> um, they certainly don't seem to lack an energy and actually you know there's a sort of gentle you know ageism ageism even is one of the things that I am interested in increasingly as I do this the kind of and it's less even ageism from outsiders but our own perceptions you know your your own feeling about what it means to be turning 50 or 70 or 90 that 
Mm. We've a lot of assumptions that, you know, you can't learn things, you can't, or it's all sort of doom and gloom or it's going to be worse. And actually all the evidence shows that if if, if you believe those things, it, it will be worse. Um, mm. And and yeah, so I think there's quite a lot of sort of assumptions that at 57, say, it's just all going to be a bit much. And it was interesting to me, we were starting now teach just as sort of Theresa May was prime minister and Trump was there. And these are not necessarily people who are lauded for all kinds of things, but it wasn't because they were 57 or whatever Theresa May was then. You know, that that wasn't called into question. And it must be quite exhausting <laughs> to be the prime minister, I'd have thought. Um, yeah, I mean, this is it. I mean, when you look at world leaders, well, I mean, frankly, yeah. the Queen, I mean. <laughs> well, exactly. Me, um, there was all of us being constantly reassured that she was still doing her duties at just have a lie down today surely with covid <laughs> yeah. i would stop but no yeah. i agree i mean i take think... a break liz Good <laughs> just just take one yeah. no and i think for us if you think of i don't know about your grandparents but i think of my grandparents by the time i you know i was born they would have been what 65 or 70 maybe and i you know they were really old yeah and i think they thought they were really old and I look at my mum now, who's about to be 70, and she doesn't look my idea of 70. She doesn't behave my idea of 70. You know, we're kind of reimagining all that stuff um, because we are living longer and it's, it's kind of amazing. Um, but so, yeah, and I think this, this generation now and all of us are trying, it, it's a sort of overcoming what we think. You know, you hear 70 in your head and you think one thing and then you think of the 70 year olds, you know, and you think, well, actually, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. Yes, I think that is very true. Certainly my my grandparents, when I think back to being a child and, you know, I saw them as old, but they were long retired um, and behaved, yeah, like like older, old people. And they would have uh, dressed like older people. And they were in their 60s. Um, Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> and and I now suppose I look if, back and think, well, that's, that's crazy. That's maybe. nuts, isn't it? But I guess if you think of it in terms of how much life you're likely to have left rather than how much you've lived they sort of were old but mm. but now not not so much and and the challenge of course is the healthy life part of this equation you know it's no good us all living to 100 but being we want to live to 100 in the same sort of health as the queen that sounds good yeah. living to 100 with the last 15 years of being grim not so much and there's huge inequality in that um but for for a lot of people this is you know we've got bonus years and we should use them wisely i guess yeah, absolutely. So tell me tell me more about the sorts of people that come to you because one of the things that I'm interested in is whether there are whether the fact there are push factors or pull factors. Are people mm-hmm. fed up with where they are or have they got this you talked about all oh, that people who've always wanted to be a teacher or is it both? Um I think it's a little bit of both or all three. I think so many of them say everyone always said for quite a lot of the men actually I think there's there's a, there was a sort of feeling that maybe they wanted to do it when they were younger but somehow they were supposed to do the highest earning thing they could or or something and perhaps that wasn't teaching. Um I think so I think for a lot of them there was there's been something. Then many 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 of them um, one or other of the basically they find that the thing they're most enjoying in their job is the training or coaching or mentoring or whatever of younger colleagues that's the mm. part that you know forget where they went into law or whatever it might have been for the law but actually they become more interested in, in that side of it and or they're finding that if they think of all the things in their life that give them pleasure it's actually coaching the football team for their kids on a Saturday 
um, mm-hmm. or they've been a school governor or or something, or they're volunteering some capacity and they think, actually, this is, this is the thing I'm enjoying. So I think there's a lot of sort of gentle burning pull factors, if you like. Fun enough, I think the push factors tend to be, you know, it's not, you know, we've had some people who've been made redundant, but on the whole, it's not taken voluntary redundancy. On the whole, it's not sort of, oh, help, I'm not sure what to do next. You know, it's not, it's not that. But I think there is sometimes a sense of what Lucy had. This career has been great. I've enjoyed it. Um, I've learned a lot. I've made great colleagues. It's been exciting, but I don't see where it goes anymore. And the idea of still doing this in 20 years depressing to me, the idea of stopping is neither feasible or anyway depressing. So kind of, what am I doing anymore? And then there's a more sort of, I don't know if it's a push or a pull factor quite, but for a lot of people, there's, there's almost always some sort of life event that might be the, the trigger. So so whether that's, you know, often it's a second parent or a parent dying, and that slight sense of mortality you know it's it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a, an urgency I guess of if you if there is something you're mulling on doing actually go on with it or perhaps it's children moving out and and thinking oh, I have a little more time and potentially even slightly slightly so sort of, you know perhaps you paid off the mortgage or getting there you know so perhaps finances and stuff change mm-hmm. um or the kind of bogging down details of daily daily life have changed um uh, yeah, so it's a whole it's a whole big mix of things. And some people, particularly I found the computer scientists, people like that, are often really struck simply by how few qualified computer scientists, teachers we are able to recruit and oh, having yeah. spent careers, you know, knowing how utterly critical it is, they get to the point of thinking, Well, this is this is not good and one and wanting to to do something about it, which I've you know, so there's also that, the sort of slightly more ideological I could be useful and I need to be, and we need people to be, to be teaching. So many mm. of those things are, of course, the same things that attract, that attract 23 year olds or whatever. Um, yes, students. certainly um, what you described with, with people in their career realizing, okay, what's the bit of the only bit of this that I'm actually enjoying now. And that certainly was true for me because I was all set to be an academic, um, uh-huh, yeah. you know, applying for academic, jobs or the, the whole thing and then sort of woke up one day and thought I don't enjoy this that's so interesting <laughs> which, yeah um, which sounds ridiculous but it, it actually hadn't occurred to me because no, I think if but... you're if you're good at something you sort of assume you're enjoying it well yes. I did anyway I think um, so and also if you can do something almost you know you you yes. think well everyone's telling me that I'm good at this so I probably should yeah. do it I suppose and then yeah. we don't and I think so many of our first jobs are sort of slightly random how we got there and suddenly a lot of people were and it, you know not to say it was a huge mistake but you kind of like hold on I don't exactly remember setting out to be a I don't know marketing executive I just seem to be one and yes and and it's important and I think we're in the luxurious position that that we ought to have enough enough time to to you and you know of course then there are all these transferable skills and experiences it's not it's not straightforward for a second but it's I think it's only enriching to the system so it feels like yes <laughs> but you could easily have gotten into academia I imagine and and you know and what was can you remember was it a sudden realization or or what happened I'm just always curious at people's damaging um, moments <laughs> oh yeah it, it was ridiculous I, I I mean I've been depressed for a long time and I sort of just mm-hmm. one day I don't know what it was thought 
I'm sure there was a time where I didn't used to be crying every day. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm, sure this, I'm sure this isn't normal. And then, yeah. and, and I just went through this very rapid kind of, I don't, I don't want to do this. That's the problem. I don't, I actually genuinely don't mm-hmm. want to do this. And I remember I went out for a walk around the, I, I was at Royal Holloway, and I walked around Founders Building, you know, around yeah. the four lengths. And by the time I'd done the four lengths, I decided I'd, I'm not going to do this. And then I was faced with the, well, what the hell am I going to yeah. do? Um, and I realised that the one thing that was keeping me sane was was the teaching. So I was teaching undergraduates, yeah. as most PhD students do. Yeah. And I thought, well, I seem to be quite good at that, and I seem to be enjoying it. So maybe I should think about that. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think, and did everyone tell you you were crazy, or did yep. everyone get it? Yeah. Every and I think single person. Yeah. That's the thing is, that, I mean, Lucy, for Lucy, her dad had just died her beloved mum had died earlier and everyone said no, no no you're doing this you're grieving you know you don't make big decisions when you're grieving and I guess there's a parallel with your sort of you know you should, should wait until you're not feeling depressed to make a big decision or something might have someone said sensible and yes. said and and actually I'm not I'm not sure about that those moments when we hear our gut talking <laughs> and follow it often seem to be the ones that are really really exciting Get yeah, the right I think, answer I think so and sometimes they get you just have moments of clarity where yeah you suddenly say, well, I know this is going to come as a big shock to everyone else, but mm-hmm. actually I've just realised something. That, yeah. Oh, I've never actually enjoyed this, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons that now teachers, I guess, useful to the now teachers is that if, if, if everyone around you is telling you that you're, you're nuts, it's quite useful to have a gang of people who may equally think you're nuts and that they're nuts, but but you're doing it together and you get it. Um, mm. And that you can almost, there's a sort of almost a refreshing of your professional network um, of people who've who've had that similar kind of moment of clarity that, that what they're doing is no longer the right thing for them. Yeah. So how does it actually work? Do you provide an introduction into a training course or what do you exactly do? yeah oh exactly so we are we're not the training provider we're not sort of competitive we're trying to we try we partner with with training providers to support them I guess in their recruitment because it's hard and there's no you know so we're we support them to find people and from the per- the recruits point of view if you like it's it's finding which is the right route for them it's as we all know very muddly the sort of teacher training landscape and if you come from a different world it's even more so so it's then trying to help people figure out you know well if you know that you can't move and your life is looking like this and your priorities in about education are this that and the other then probably this training provider might might you know or go and talk to these two people so it's a kind of um uh, almost like navigating the support in navigating the world, having attracted and done the sort of marketing piece, support in navigating the world. Um, some of the training providers are able to do, you know, more flexible options, for example, which is really important to some career changers. Uh, some of them are quite relaxed about people not doing a PGC if that doesn't feel right to them. Others, of course, the academic part is is absolutely critical. So it's just sort of translating a little bit the whole thing for people and supporting the training providers to to have access to this to this group of people. And then once they are are on starting the training, then they join our sort of career changer program, if you like, which is um, two years of of support, just navigating them through the training and the beginning of ECT. Um, 
you know, we've learned a lot now about what, what things are particularly tricky, what things are more likely to make people drop out, where mm-hmm. we can be useful in in supporting. Um, and then once they, then the, the idea also is that we can support them longer term and beyond because of course training providers with the best will in the world can't do that. So um, often it's in year two or three that things maybe get challenging and, and the network of now teachers becomes becomes really useful to people but we're a charity and we don't you know we don't charge to the schools or to the training providers or to the people it's all it yeah it's it's just trying to support everybody to find each other I guess that's amazing so what are the 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 driving factors that that in those first two or three critical years tend to drive older people out of the profession I think a lot of it is often lack of a sudden overwhelming kind of lack of confidence which um you know, if you feel quite fish out of water, and I think this is where I come back to this concept of internalized ageism, that I cried, I think, every single day of my teacher training. Um, but I never thought it was because I was too old that I was struggling. I just, it was just, I was too useless. <laughs> but but I think if, um, if you are older, and it feels at some point as though you're not getting it, you know, you're being very hard on yourself, you think, well, maybe I just can't, you know, maybe this, I, or, or you're being particularly defeated by, I don't know, technology or, or some aspect mm-hmm. of it. Um, that that sense of being different. And you see this with sort of mature students at universities. There's lots of other comparisons that, mm. um, it, it and it's a different kind of lack of confidence um, of, of suddenly just thinking, yeah, this I I am I've made a terrible mistake, and it and it's different perhaps to the crisis a twenty three year old might have um, in yes. some ways. Yeah. Um, that's part of it, and I suppose then in those moments there is the re- you know they remember everybody telling them they were insane, and they remember <laughs> that they've probably got a perfectly good job they could go back to, and probably you know get back to their old salary uh, quicker than it'll take them in teaching, and. Um, and that that can provide a moment of of wobble. And I think in that first year, they're just you're unlearning a lot of behaviours that you've picked up and learnt and have become important. And you're relearning what teaching is. But you're also everyone sort of thinks they know schools, and we do so much prefer, prepare. But the old truism: everyone went to school, so everyone sort of thinks they know what schools are like. And of course, yes. thirty years on, they're not. And some of that can feel extremely kind of discombobulating. And they've been used to being quite senior and of course being very junior is difficult having a boss who's almost certainly going to be much younger than you Th- those sorts of things it-, it can just be helpful to have a group of people around you who are going through the same same set of things yeah I, I think certainly the parallel you made with mature students I think uh, is you're absolutely right that you will you will have the same crises as a younger person but you may mm-hmm. reflect on the reasons for that in, in a different way Exactly, exactly. And you just call into question. You, in some ways, it's higher, sort of higher stakes. Arguably, in other ways, not because you have got this, you know, other world probably you can go back to. But you've, you've kind of, you've done, you've given up a whole lot of stuff too, in a way that at, at 23, you, you haven't. I mean, in other ways, I think it's a huge strength, because I expect if I had quit uh, when I was training I would have been landed with such a sense of failure because I'd not really done anything else um whereas if you know that you've been a success or something I don't think it gets perhaps to one's core in the same way mm. um but in some ways it's also therefore less imperative to keep to keep going when you may think when you suddenly think I'm doing the wrong thing 
Um, but hearing from people who one year ago felt the same and now I think they've got the best job in the world and it's also exciting is 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 really helpful, I think. Yeah, I'm sure it is. So, I mean, it sounds like this organisation has... How, how long has it been going? So we started <laughs> that summer of 2016. We started recruiting in sort of that autumn we launched for people to start in 2017. So the first teachers started training in 2017, so five years ago. Wow. And how, how many people have you helped? So there's 500 now teachers so far, and we're hoping we recruit another 200 to start this September. Wow. Um, that's, the, that's the hope and the plan. <laughs> It seems to be going well. It seems to be going well. And, you know, as everyone knows, ITT numbers are down this year. But but yes. ours, uh, our, our application numbers are, are not. And we're, we're doing, you know, certainly better than we were this time two years ago. So, so that, you know, we're encouraged by that. I think some of the sort of COVID build back better rhetoric has probably been really important to us. Um, and also just, I think when you when you take away maybe some of the distraction and noise and fun and people of office and working life, it really matters what you're looking at your screen for and if suddenly it's not as exciting I think that's probably helpful yes I I, I think well uh, for all sorts of reasons lots of people did a lot of reflection uh, during that, that period um, exactly lots of reasons as you say and mm. and actually one of the things that you know for the most part I think greater flexibility is is superb and I think teaching is going to face a bit of a challenge in the next few years on that front having said that people are social animals and so many of what of what our teachers want is to kind of belong back to a real community I think as you tend to kind of rise upwards or whatever in any in almost any career you almost remove yourself from the really direct impact of any whatever it is you might be doing and it becomes also strategic or whatever Mm. but actually to just belong in the real world and know exactly what you're doing and when it's useful and what you've done today and who you've helped, which I think teaching gives, becomes almost more important, you yeah. know, the less we spend time with more, with people. Yes. Yeah. Well, that is absolutely fascinating. Well, we are, thanks to you, uh, I think we're going to be talking to directly to a career changer. Um, yeah. So after the... Uh, ad break and the news uh matt's going to be joining us but i hope you'll stay with us katie to chat i'd love to thank you fantastic so i'm going to uh take a break for now but we will be back with you very shortly uh don't go anywhere this episode of teachers talk radio has been made possible with support from witherslack group the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Upland. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. Teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn, 
www.uplearn.co.uk. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. According to a report in the Times Educational Supplement, schools are struggling to create the collegiate environment required for recovery post-pandemic, as a result of the top-down pressure experienced by school leadership teams. Results of a new survey show that one-third of teachers cite management issues in schools as the reason most likely to lead them to quitting the profession, along with pay and working conditions. CEO of the Chartered College, Alison Peacock, has called for more support for teachers as a response to this survey. She warned, education recovery will only occur if teachers and leaders are provided with necessary support. General Secretary of the NAS UWT Teaching Union, Dr Patrick Roach said, the government must do more to tackle adverse and bullying management practices in schools. Teacher wellbeing is vital to securing country's education recovery after the pandemic. The survey of 4,690 teachers was carried out by TeacherTap on behalf of BET UK. In Ethiopia, Education Minister Biranu Nega announced that the conflict unleashed by the Tigray People's Liberation Front has seriously affected the access to schools of more than 3 million students in the areas invaded since June. More than 1,200 schools have been completely destroyed due to the war, while three universities in Amara State were totally or partially damaged by the Tigrayan forces. The rebuilding of these institutions will cost in the region of $2 million. In Kenya, the Education Cabinet Secretary, 
Professor George Magoa, has voiced his hope that vocational and technical training in the country will be strengthened to help with the country's economic development. Magoa said the demand for plumbers, electricians, technicians and artisans was rising, challenging learners to take advantage of the demand and acquire the necessary skills to fill up the gaps. He said, we must tell our people that every job is important. At technical and vocational education and training institutions, you can develop skills that can address an existing problem in the community and in turn secure employment. We must move away from the examination orientated system and impart skills in our learners to ensure that they are competent to face the workforce. The government has rolled out an annual 2 billion Kenyan shilling conditional grant to vocational training colleges to boost enrolment. This has been your weekend Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, today I'm responding to a tweet from Michelle Stevens at M underscore Stevens Zero, pointing out to at Team English One that a lot of people don't know about the snipping tool, and she was compiling a list of shortcuts. The thread sparked a lot of fantastic responses and inspired today's Two Minute Tech. Today I present Getting Snippy With It. In Windows, a simple shortcut combo of Windows plus Shift plus S opens the snipping tool. The snipping tool is like an advanced version of print screen. After the combo key press, a small menu appears giving you five options. Rectangle select, which is draw a box around what you want, freeform select which is draw a shape around what you want, window select which is pick the window you want to capture, screen select which captures the full screen or replication of the print screen button. Some may say there's no point to this but stay tuned, there is. Finally there's a cross to close and pressing escape can do the same thing. If you have an interactive board you can pin snip and sketch to your taskbar, right click the icon and select pin to taskbar. Now you can press it to make screen grabs and not have to go over to the keyboard. Snip and sketch also gives you the ability to annotate on a screenshot. To make this even more powerful did you know pressing Windows and V shows your last 25 captures to your clipboard? The first time you use this, you'll need to switch on the feature by pressing Windows and V and agreeing to switch it on. Now you can take several screen captures and then paste them into the app you're presenting with. This can be very time efficient. For this week's visual version of the episode, I've made a series of clips and given some real life examples of using the snipping tool. So don't forget to check out TT Radio 2020 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Woking, this is the Saturday Brunch with Emma Williams. Welcome back everybody, you're still with me Emma Williams for the Saturday Brunch show and I'm talking to Katie Waldegrave from Now Teach and she's been telling me all about her organisation and what it's like to change careers. Why do people do it? And what are the factors that affect them? So do stay with me, we're still live and we're going to be introducing Matt very shortly. Live from Woking, this is the Saturday Brunch with Emma Williams on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app 
and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back, everybody. So hoping Katie's still there. I am, if you can hear me. Hello. Ooh, <laughs> and I think we have got Matt uh, in the studio as well. Hello, Matt. Hi, thanks very much oh. for having me on. Uh, you are very welcome. It's lovely to have you with us. Um, so tell me, why in the Lord's name did you decide to become a teacher? <laughs> what on earth was I thinking? Yeah, yeah. what were um, you thinking? <laughs> so I um, I had about a, roughly about a 20-year career working for BBC News, um, mainly in the sort of the politics. Um, I worked for BBC Westminster for quite a while. Um, and, I mean, very much like in some ways like how, how Katie was saying, I was starting to feel that, what, what am I doing? What am I getting out of this now? Um, you know, on paper, it was an amazing job, and I've always been a real sort of political nerd and loved that sort of, loved that stuff. But it just wasn't, I just wasn't finding it fulfilling. Um, and teaching was always something in the back of my mind that I thought about and I thought as again as Katie said oh yeah I really I wonder about this I wonder if it's the sort of thing I'd, I'd be any good at um, and every now and again I'd find myself in a school sort of working on a film and I'd always sort of wander around the school thinking yeah this is a these are special places these are really nice sort of friendly warm places and I always sort of thought mm, I wonder I wonder um and then I had a bit of careers advice um, and I really, I really didn't, I wasn't, because I was worried about the, the, the drop in salary and I was aware of the workload and all that sort of thing. I thought, mm, I don't know, I don't know, this is for me. But it just kept pointing towards, um, it just kept pointing towards teaching. And then I went to a, a now teach uh, evening where it was just, you know, come along, have a chat, have a chat with some teachers um, a head teacher gave a talk and I remember walking away from that just thinking wow okay I'm, I'm gonna do this this is really what I want to do um, and just how it felt really for the first time in a long time I felt really really excited about a sort of a job and a chance of doing something um, fortunately the BBC as it still is but back then I, I, I left in I left in 2019 uh, yeah 2019 um and fortunately they were asking people for voluntary redundancy so i put myself forward and that basically helped sort of fund me through my training year um yeah and, and the rest is history so it, it was very much sort of now teach and also as as you know just this is feeling like yeah I, i'd like to have a go at this i'd like to see what it was like so i yeah i'm now a, a history and politics teacher that's absolutely fantastic. So what was it about that, what was said at that evening that that convinced you that this was both desirable and possible? I think, I mean, what was good about it was they didn't, they didn't sugar the pill. It was very much, you know, this is a, there's a lot of work involved and you'll, you'll find it difficult. And they were quite honest about it. And I think often you can sort of, you know, if people, someone's telling you how amazing it is with no caveat or anything, you start thinking, oh yeah, come on, hang on. Um, yeah, but just, I think it was, it was just the, you know, they were, they were teachers talking about how they loved being 
um, part of um, this, this community. And also, I think talking to people in their sort of 40s and 50s who'd done it, <clears throat> uh, excuse me, and who'd said, yeah, I can do this and I'm really enjoying it. And it's challenging and it's interesting and exciting. And that sort of thing, well, if, if they're telling me it's possible and if they're telling me it's doable, because it is a huge change, um, mm. you know, it's, it's a big leap. And when you're, when you're surrounded by people who've done it and who are enthusing about it, you think, well, okay, well, maybe, maybe, I, can, maybe I can give this a go. That's great because uh, if I could bring Katie in here, because I know Katie, you very much feel it, it's the community, isn't it, that that makes the organisation work. Yeah, I think I think that's the hugest part of it. You know, I, we we do all sorts of things that are are great, and the program team are, are awesome, and everybody has their own program manager they can talk to whenever they need, and so on. But but the biggest thing I think we give access is to is is to people who are like minded and 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 crucially now we're able to do to the people who've done it before you know what what's it like in year one what's it like now four years on mm. um yeah and I think you know there's lots of research going back to mature students and indeed changing into other careers or even returning to work you know mothers returning to work and so on there's lots of programs community is so important I think in in all of those things mm. Yeah, I, I, I think that must be the case. And certainly it's very easy, I imagine, when you're joining a profession when you're older and most people training are younger than you, that you're going to feel isolated and therefore you, you need like-minded people who have, who have done the same thing and, and believe in it, I guess. Yeah, as far I, I think everybody, I, you know, people, now teachers, mostly when I'm hanging out with them, which have just been so joyful to be able to do again these past few weeks. But it's it's funny. People are witty and, and warm and, and joke about some of the, the you know, and, and you need that as much as you need all the rest of the kind of, oh, what do you do about this particular problem or challenge? Um, mm-hmm. And it's people, yeah, it's people who, who get you. I suppose, who really, yeah. you'd have to explain it all again from first principles, but it can still be difficult, whatever is happening. Mm. If you see what I mean. Yeah. So, Matt, I'd really like to ask you about how you found behaviour, um, your behaviour management as, as a new sure. teacher. Um, and was that, was the, the challenge of that a shock for you as someone who'd been in a very different kind of profession? I mean, I think it's... I'm sure most teachers will say, and I remember when during my interviews at schools, um, <clears throat> you know, the job, you know, are you, are you worried about behaviour? Went during my PGC um, applications, and I would say, well, yeah. I think obviously most teachers are concerned about it. It's, it's a big thing they're worried about. Um, and I did, it, it's been quite an eye opener in many ways. Um, I think sometimes, I remember when I, the school well, the school I'm still at in my where I started my NQT, the head teacher then said to me, you know, you don't have to tell them you're a new teacher. Hmm. Um, and I think actually just my age, um, you know, you walk into a classroom. I mean, obviously inside I was <laughs> panicking and a complete mess. Um, but you walk in there and you try and give off this sort of um, sort of aura of calm, and they assume you're an experienced teacher. Yes, um, it's a big advantage I, in that sense, isn't it? I, yeah, I mean, don't, you know, don't get me wrong. Good grief. I have had my fair share of absolute shocking lessons. Um, <laughs> and I, <laughs> I have no doubt I will continue to have them. Hey, Matt, do... Matt, I've been teaching 21 years and I'm still having them. I hate to <laughs> <laughs> You're not meant to say that. You're meant to tell me it gets better. Um, but I, 
I do think just being that little bit older, maybe people, they just assumed I was an, uh, an experienced teacher and that may well have just helped things along a little bit. Um, I'm not saying I'm be- I was better in any way, shape or form. I may I continue to make some shocking mistakes in that. But I think, you know, yeah, they just assumed, and you know, as time progressed and I told them a little bit more about myself, they'd realised that I was relatively new to the profession. Um, but that was after we'd established sort of relationships and that sort of thing. So, you know, it's a, it's a different different issue then. Mm. It's really interesting about assumptions because I've I've literally just done exactly the same thing. We had we had an inset day yesterday and those of us that are mentoring ECTs uh met with the mentees and I've never sort of sat in a group with them before so I've I know who obviously I know who my early careers teacher is but I don't know who the others are and I just I sort of did a double take that there was a maths teacher that I knew was new this year but I'd assumed he was an experienced teacher because he he was older and I thought oh oh he's an ECT and I had no idea and 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 of course, the kids will make the same assumption. Yeah, and I think it does. It it does help. Um, mm. And you know, it, it's interesting. There are I, I have noticed if you, as well as teachers not connected but now teach, but there are others sort of floating around who sort of are career changers. I mean, generally, it is still very very young. You know, people just leaving university, or you know, maybe a couple of years and then going into university. Um, but yeah, there's a, there's a few of us around um, and it seems to be increasing. Maybe it's just because I look, it's a confirmation bias and I just look out for it more. But um, yeah, mm. there's a few of us around. Yeah. So how have you found it um, in specifically in your subject? Was there a lot of work available? Because I know when I first joined the profession, there actually weren't that many history jobs going. Is yeah, there's, it's... I mean, it was okay. There were, I, I do remember, I, I did a PGC at uh, the Institute of Education, and I do remember that sort of time coming around, sort of February, March time. Uh, and it was, we all, we all suddenly, oh gosh, hang on, <laughs> started applying for the same jobs yeah. um, and all that sort of thing. But it wasn't too bad. Um, and I do, I, I do think my previous experience I think may well have opened some doors and helped a little bit. Um, I think there were definitely, as a journalist, uh, some good sort of transferable skills uh, in terms of sort of breaking down difficult subjects and trying to make complex thing ideas and um, knowledge easier to understand and all that sort of thing in pre- presentation of that. I think there were there were definitely transferable skills. Um, and I think also, I think people were just a bit curious about me, you know, oh, who's this guy? Mm. What, what's this? Let's, okay, well, let's interview him. <laughs> he seems, you know, what's going on here? Let's try and find out. Um, so I, I think, I think being a career changer did open some doors. Um, mm. actually, I think it made, it made schools, I was able to, sort of, it made schools interested in me, which was helpful. Well, I think because obviously for you in particular, your your career was relevant to the subjects you then chose to teach. So I, I certainly yeah. would look at your CV and think, wow, OK, well, I'd be more interested as an A-level politics student in the fact that this guy worked for the BBC as a producer on political shows. I mean, that, that, that's that got to go in your favour. 
Yeah, yeah, hopefully. Um, hopefully, and obviously, you know, with the, with the history as well. I mean, there's definite crossovers. I mean, I, in A-Level, I teach Cold War history at the moment. Mm. Um, and what's quite frightening is that I'm getting close to the end of my year 13s and I'm teaching about a history that I lived through. <laughs> which is oh, one of those things you think, oh, gosh, I am quite old now. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What because, was it like during the war? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was sort of, oh, gosh, and I'm going to be teaching my year nines about um, sort of 9-11 and things like that in the summer term. And I, you, you think, oh, oh blimey, above, yeah. I remember covering that at the yeah. BBC. Um, and that's history yeah. now, which is, and they, my students find it hilarious. I, mean, they, I bet, they yeah. They, find, they think it's very funny. Yeah, um, so I, I find students are endlessly fascinated. I think basically anybody over 35, as far as they're concerned, is, yeah. is ancient. So It's absolutely past it. I mean, every now and again, <laughs> when, so when, when were you born, sir? And I thought, <laughs> 19, 1974, and you sort of see this look of, oh my God. <laughs> You know, and they ask these questions. Did they have phones then, sir? Yeah, yeah. Telly, sir, and all this sort of stuff. And it's wonderful, you know. And it's just because it's interesting, actually, as a history teacher, they realise that everything before when they they sort of they're conscious is just the past, and it's all sort of bundled and blurred into one. And it's part of the job of a history teacher is to try and tease that out a little bit. But it's yeah, I mean, they they find it hilarious. Yeah, it's lovely. The timeline of history. I mean, even for obviously, I'm a, I'm a Latin teacher, so I'm touching on what yeah. uh, what is classified as ancient history. But um, you know, trying to say to them, well, you know, the, what sort of time period are we talking with the Romans? And, and like they, some of them go, oh, 500 years. <laughs> you think, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, then and then others will guess 4,000. And you think, no, somewhere in the middle. <laughs> It's it's interesting how they how they think about that thing, but then again, you know, it's nice to sort of try and give a bit of context. And I, you know, when I talk about the Cold War and my A level, and I, I'll sort of say, well, I can, you know, I can remember a bit of this, and I can remember the excitement of the Berlin Wall going down. It felt like an incredible yeah. thing, and that's quite a nice thing to be able to talk about to sort of try and make it a bit more real for them. When I say, yes. oh, yeah, this was wonderful. I remember this. Um, I think that's quite nice for them, actually. Um, it makes yes, it more relevant, so. makes it more, yeah, hopefully, hopefully says. Especially hopefully events, yeah, events that, that we remember that happened when we were about their age. I find that's when it's yes. most powerful because so, so I'm roughly the same age as you and I have strong memories of, of that day and being in school on that yeah. day. Yeah. Um, and I think that that can make them sort of sit up and go, oh, gosh, wow, you know. Yeah, that's the exciting thing. Yeah, yeah. That's the exciting thing. So were there, Katie has talked to us about how um, people can find it most challenging maybe in their sort of second year. Have you yet experienced moments of, of doubt and, and concern about your the choices you've made? I've experienced, I mean... It's an, it's interesting. That I, I, I've experienced moments of doubt. I've experienced moments of doubt throughout the whole thing, right from as soon as I started my PGCE, um, and have also loved it and continued to to enjoy it. I mean, I think anything anything that is worthwhile um, and anything that is is 
has huge rewards is also going to be incredibly challenging mm. um and yeah there are times particularly when the workload is incredible phenomenal uh where i will sit and think good grief you know i i feel like i'm sort of working twice the hours for half the salary <laughs> uh, <laughs> um yeah what am i doing um and then you know a student will come into the classroom and he'll come and have a chat or she'll come and have a chat about something and you'll sort of they'll be sad and you'll sort of maybe make them feel a bit better about it whatever or you'll have a parent's evening and a parent say oh they love history now and they really like their they really enjoy their history they come home and they tell me all about what what they've learned and you think well yeah that's quite special actually um and there's enough of those moments to sort of keep me going through the difficult moments. Um, mm. And it has been difficult. It, you know, I, I, I'll be brutally honest. It, there have been, you know, I've probably had more sleepless nights in the last couple of years than I had my whole 20 years at the BBC. But that's because it, it matters. It feels like it really matters when behaviour of a class isn't working. That's a problem and you really worry about it. But that. What I try, how I try and think about it is I try and think about the bigger picture and think, well, the reason I'm so worried is because it matters. Um, mm. And that sort of gets me through, <laughs> it gets me through the tricky, the tricky times. Um, yeah. So would um, you would say, I mean, your previous job sounds pretty challenging to me, but would you say teaching, the, you seem to be saying the workload of teaching is, is higher? Yes, Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and I mean, I guess I, it, it, I suppose it's slightly difficult to measure because when by the time I had left, although there were obviously incredible challenges every day um, and getting, getting everything for a programme ready uh, and, you know, working and guests falling out and all this sort of stuff, because I'd done it a thousand times before, a hundred times before or whatever, if things went wrong, well, OK, I know how to deal with this. I, I've done this, you know, in the back, you don't worry, you just do it. Whereas because everything in teaching is new, everything is teaching in teaching is new. Um, so I don't have that, I don't have that bank of knowledge to know that I'll, it'll be all right. <laughs> you know, yeah. I see an experienced teacher um, and they're incredible and they're, they're relaxed and they're calm and things go wrong and they'll just they'll call the, they'll do this and they'll do that and because they're experienced they know what to do they've done it so many times before because everything is new to me uh, and that is really exciting don't get me wrong it, it's 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 really rewarding and exciting in many ways and learning and getting a bit better at things is, is wonderful but you don't you have that you, you are still even at you know when you're older it, with the first time you're in a classroom, it's the first time you're in a classroom. And the first time you deal with difficult behaviour, it's the first time you deal, you know, you could be, you know, 22 or 42 or 62 or whatever. It's still new, new to you. So you still panic and you still worry. Um, I think maybe, hopefully, I'm a bit more resilient than I would have been um, in my 20s. I, I, I look at some of the there's people I trained with and I think good grief I don't know if I could have done what you do and I'm, mm. I find younger teachers so impressive um I mean I remember when when Lucy Kellaway interviewed me for the now teach she kept going on and on and on about resilience how resilient are you 
where, mm. give me some examples of where you've shown resilience. You will need to be resilient in this job. And I sort of went away thinking, okay, all right, you know, <laughs> calm down, <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> and good grief, she was right. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, in my 40s, having a career behind me, I do have that. Yeah. I don't know if I had would have had it in my 20s. And I am in constant awe and admiration at new teachers in their 20s and how they are coping and how well, how amazing they are. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's incredible. I don't know if I could have done it, if I'm totally that, honest. That's really interesting. I wonder, Katie, do you find that that is a pattern in people who've joined the career late, that their resilience is greater than younger people? Well, I mean, with now teach, as Matthew was saying, we are certainly looking for for people with resilience because it perhaps whatever you know it is perhaps the most important thing you you need. So I don't know if they've more, but certainly the ones who are successful in it have it in have it in bucket loads. Um, I think what's been interesting, one of the reasons that now teach is perhaps useful is that um, it, it's quite hard almost to to judge the resilience of a someone like Matthew against maybe the resilience of a 22 year old um our, one of our sort of best but almost most confusing interviews I remember being with this amazing woman who's still teaching but she had been a hostage negotiator and we were talking about stressful situations and she was talking about you know in Libya and the airplane and something else. and they're like eh. you know I think if I'd answered this question at 22 I would it would have been a very different answer and, and you know <laughs> oh there was that time I was invited for my A-level yeah, yeah. it was really stressful yeah. and, it, and it was it would have been all I had to join so it's not at all a criticism here but there is a sort of way which you know head teachers saying I don't know what to I don't know what to do with this how do I compare if this person is going to be similarly resilient to that differently you know and I think over time as we recruit more and more people can gather the kind of evidence pool I guess it just looks slightly different in people who live longer and done more and done more stuff but Um, I wonder I mean that's that's fascinating so I've worked throughout my career about two or three times with people who were ex-forces yeah. And certainly before I met them, I, I would have assumed they'd have amazing classroom discipline and, you know, no one's going to mess with them. Actually, they really struggled because they were used to people doing what they said. Yeah. Which, you know, in the forces, like that's that's a given. People have to obey the officer. Whereas, you know, some 14-year-old saying, uh, no, not doing it. It's, it's yeah. Different... yeah, we've had quite a few people in one way or another who've had, had time in the military. And, the, you know, they're... they're and they were they were quite interesting apparently about the differences between the cultures in, of schools and of the military and the assumptions we we make and no I think it's, none of it none of it is is a given <laughs> and um, you know yeah there's certainly no way in which and and Matthew's modest too in him saying that his age helps mm. I think he is correct in thinking people probably assume he's a more experienced teacher but. I have enough experience. No, it doesn't necessarily stand you in very good stand for longer than <laughs> the longer than maybe one lesson. So you know, no, the rest, of the rest true, of the success yeah. is yours. <laughs> they'll, they'll they'll sniff it out pretty quickly. <laughs> they certainly do that. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, no, and I think it's 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 really interesting what what different. Uh, practices, skills, experiences, what cultures people bring assumptions about whenever they start. You know, if you've been 20 years at the BBC or 20 years in law, 20 years in running your own business, whatever it might be, um, 
you'll have assumptions about the way people are managed, about the way that um, particular tasks or data should be dealt with. And, and that's, and that, I guess, in the kind of big picture is, is some of what I'm the most optimistic about for now teach that if you've had people like Matthew who are then some years into to teaching and are beginning to be more experienced that they can they can just make just bring in perhaps bring or infuse you know things will infuse differently that that can be really helpful it seems that you know it 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 can only be a good thing, I reckon. Not, of course, that you start off from the beginning saying, "Huh." So in my old workplace, we used to do this. That would be a disaster, and and now teachers um, all know better than that. But I am interested to see slowly, slowly, as you have a growing number of people who and who can network together. You know what? Some of our, for example, some of the sort of data scientists have introduced slightly different ways of of inputting data that has been then spread out to the school or indeed the trust. Things that were relatively straightforward skills for them, but why on earth would they be for the? And and so I'm optimistic about thinking about how how when those people talk together, might they be able to think, oh, well, you know what, we could help. We could we could do this slightly differently, and that that could be really could be really useful oh yeah i'll tell you what if uh, if we can get some help with the archaic technology that some of us have been wrestling with uh, and maybe some training would be good because i tend to find in education nobody shows you how to do anything my husband's taught me how to use excel because nobody else had and there's so, no time as well, well it's just yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, there, but, yeah. there is yeah. now but that. related to that i'm interested to, to hear from both of you about this so the other side of joining a profession when you've had 20 years in a different profession is all the sort of weird quirks of how the profession works so for example explaining to my husband that if I were looking for a different job or a career change or whatever I'd have to tell the head or the done thing would be to tell the head well in advance and you know for them to advertise before one resigns and all all, and and Mm -hmm. and you you always communicate it now he and he looks at me like I'm insane. He says, mm-hmm. "You know, you don't tell your boss you're going for an interview." I was like, "Well, yeah, you do." <laughs> and so yeah. weird quirks like that. So I don't know if both of you, Matthew, have you have you been learning the weird quirks of the education world? I mean, yeah. I mean, good grief, the acronyms. I thought journalism was bad, <laughs> um, but that, it, 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 education takes it to a whole new level. Yeah, we and do like still... an acronym. Yeah, there are still times in meetings where I sort of suddenly think, oh gosh, hang on, what, what are we talking about here? Yeah, we um, like to change them as well on a regular basis just to keep everyone confused. Yes, yes. And then I'll sort of come out and then forget that people don't know what I'm about it and I'll start talking about SLT and uh, my wife will look at me and say, what, what are you talking about? Um <laughs> So, yeah, the acronyms are an interesting one. I mean, it's all new. It, I mean, it's one of the exciting, I'll be honest, it's one of the exciting things about it. It's all new, starting afresh, learning all these amazing things. Mm. Um, and I guess all schools have their own sort of cultures and traditions and things anyway. I mean, yeah, the, the, the changing jobs thing is, is, is a really interesting one. So having to get permission to go for an interview and all that sort of stuff is... Yeah, it does seem it does seem a little bizarre. Whereas in the old 
yeah, in my old trade, people would just sort of sneak off and then before they'd announce it with a flourish that they were leaving. Yes. Um, and take everyone by surprise. And often you'd have to leave straight away because you were going to a competitor and they want you the hell out before you took anything dodgy. Indeed, you know, so you sort of front whatever. marched out of the building, whereas <laughs> yeah, in our exactly. in our profession, I mean the big time is now, you know, of of the, the big reshuffle. Uh, and so you, you you basically know you're going six months ahead of when when you actually do go so yeah. <laughs> it's uh yeah and everybody knows about it including the yeah. kids who always seem to find out within about five minutes i don't know how they do it but they do so yeah, yeah it, it, what, what actually i mean and it's not quite what you were asking but in terms of the leaving and the moving job that is also an interesting thing because of course you're not just when you change schools you're not just leaving your job you're leaving your students and already that yeah. feels like a really big deal you know, when you start building relationships with a class at GCSE or A levels, and you think, "Oh gosh, there's an awful lot I would be leaving if I have if I do decide to leave," which again is really interesting that you would not have. I mean, obviously, leaving colleagues would be difficult, but it's that extra element of sort of almost stickiness to make you stay where you are because you you don't you feel you you don't want to leave those things behind. Yes, it can be particularly powerful, I think, for those of us that are in option subjects so you know we've got that we those of us that have to do a bit of a sell uh, and we're proud of the selling that we do and we're good at getting bums on seats there there is always um a certain anxiety in in what we leave behind yeah absolutely absolutely well i believe that katie's got to to go i'm going to hang on to you matthew so don't go anywhere but um no i was was going to say the husband having taken the kids to the car wash it's obviously a success so he's running late i'm happy to stay if you want oh fantastic all right well they're obviously having an they're obviously having a ball (laughs) (laughs) or he left a window open and it's all gone wrong (laughs) maybe they've gone round a couple of times (laughs) they could have done brilliant okay well so yeah katie do you find that people who've stayed you know got to their what fourth year I suppose your Uh Uh early joiners uh, would have got to have they had this issue of of putting because I know a couple of people who've really felt they've put their foot in it in terms of things like that they didn't realize that they were supposed to tell people they were going for an interview that that sort of thing have you ever come across that yeah we we definitely have and I think one of the things we've got better at doing is some of the kind of um almost the translating early on of what are these quirks it's sort of like here's here's your map to this new country here's some of the language and here's Mm. some of the you know that we maybe maybe we need to rebrand it as lonely planet guide to to teaching and some of the 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 new laws and the new rules and the new customs um but I think um there will continue to to be those and one of the things I again feel is that there's there's the potential having learned them all and understood why they're there in time for sort of gentle challenge to some of them um so for example um I mean, you know, certainly I think probably the ones that people have put their foot in at the most are the things you describe the things around just genuinely not appreciating sort of this transfer window type approach um it is a transfer it is it when you talk about it in foot i don't understand football but we explain it with football to the people (laughs) who understand football apparently that makes it make more sense um um, and um and uh, but that's relatively once you understand it you get it it makes it makes sense i think some of the things that have surprised people too is that it's you don't talk about salary you know with the most other professions if you're getting a new job 
at that point, you also talk about your salary and, you know, you try and negotiate up and they try and negotiate down and that's that's what happens. And I think sometimes there's almost the feeling that in doing that, you are trying to take money out of the, you know, that could be better spent on the children. You know, there's a slight sense in which that's morally not quite done. And just mm. knowing that, you you know, not to say that those conversations shouldn't be had, but that it will feel different than it might have done in the past. But at the same time, I kind of think... Um, you know, there are parts of it that probably sh- should be different. Part-time is an interesting one to me. For example, I think teachers tend on the whole, all the research shows mo- many, I think it's 50% of teachers wish wish they were part-time or flexible but aren't um, and or would like to be or, you know, whatever. Um, and actually all of the now teachers who want to be, I think, And I think perhaps that's something to do with being quite good at having been the person running an organisation or being more senior, sort of coming and saying, I've been thinking about this and how I reckon it could work would be X, Y and Z. And I could, you know, and not please could I have Fridays off? No. okay, I won't. You know, I think Mm -hmm. if you if you've but also perhaps just they do ask because they just kind of assume it might be fine and and then have to shift things a bit. I mean, I think schools are surprising tonight everybody comments on how hierarchical they are being a surprise I mean lots of organizations are hierarchical but I think schools and it's not necessarily commenting with good or bad you know but just an observation um the sort of senior leader division and all of that which it's been interesting for me having gone into schools just thinking into teaching thinking well this is what the working world is like and then seeing it now through now teacher eyes you think yeah there are there are quirks around the kind of the structure of that hierarchy and what's done and not done within that and um, mm. of course it's different in each school um and also quite a lot of them reflecting that in some ways it's quite isolated obviously you're surrounded by people but in terms of your sort of interactions with adults compared to what it would have been before in many jobs that can sometimes feel quite quite lonely and their management style you know that is very different in in schools to most other workplaces for lots of reasons that we know and understand but perhaps some things that could be and even should be done differently um listening to the news just now yeah there's so much variety depending on what school you're in as well certainly if I think of the managers that I worked for at my previous school and the ones I work for now they really couldn't be more More different and Mm -hmm. when I when I first joined the profession obviously I had well I'd had no job beforehand except for casual work and I just remember being stunned when I joined my first school when the head teacher made a big fuss about telling me we're a first name schools you know we're a first name Uh school so you can call me you know Michael Mm -hmm. and I thought it never would have occurred to me that I I mean I don't know if I'm just overconfident and cheeky but why on earth would I call you Mr Cooper I'm not a (laughs) child yeah um no I think that's so funny but also what you say about them being so different I think people think and I think I thought this this is what teaching is like of wherever they are teaching and Mm. actually I think it's just when you think about retention and you know I was listening to the news when the adverts came earlier about the survey about management being management styles and as being the thing that would make people leave teaching and I think if people are struggling with that then they tend to think I cannot be a teacher rather than I'm in the wrong school so one of the strong things we try and support our teachers with is is ideally in the first place figuring out the right fit but also thinking if it isn't for sure isn't the right fit then then 
then knowing what to look for that will be right for each individual. Oh, absolutely. I know so many people that have left the profession when really they should have left the school. Yeah. And um, it's, exactly. it's really sad. So, Matthew, what are, what what's been a surprise to you in terms of the way that schools are run? And did you have any preconceptions based on when you went to school? Uh, well, I mean, it was it was it's an awful lot more professional now than compared <laughs> to when I went to school. I mean, good grief! I mean, I think yeah, I think teaching, I think I'd agree. Actually, <laughs> I think of the teaching I had when I was at school, and just think I could I would never get away with that now. Yeah, um, yeah, it's incredible, which is is great and how it should be. Um, and I think, I mean, in terms of different, I, I guess where I worked at the BBC, it was also quite hierarchical in a way. So whether that struck that that has sort of struck me as fairly fairly similar in a way that you've got the sort of known hierarchy. But I mean, the school I'm at, it's relatively informal, um, and everyone from the head teacher downwards is very approachable which is lovely and there's very it's a very collaborative atmosphere Mm. um i mean in terms of quirks and things i was just thinking that the the thing that gets me is the sir and the miss (laughs) is the fact that i'll I'll sort of walk around i'll walk around the school and i'll see another teacher and we'll say hello sir hello miss yeah we'll walk past and you think this is insane why am i doing that but it's just what you do as a teacher yeah Um, and it took me it took me a little while to get used to that um yes i I hadn't thought about that but that must be so different compared to any other job Um, yeah and it it just the first time the first few times it happened it felt very odd now (laughs) i just do it yeah all right i think so that you know and it's any i i there are totally there are very good reasons for doing it and i i'm completely on board for why we do it it just took a little while to get used to um i mean it took it took a while to get used to anyone calling me sir (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, and now i'm used to it i find it quite odd when people don't um but yeah so that that was one of the quotes but no in terms of the hierarchy that that not so much and i think as um katie was saying as as you were saying all schools are different i'm Mm. very lucky i'm part of a it's a really lovely warm collaborative supportive school um so any quirks that may be sort of feel sort of quite ironed out anyway, maybe. I mean, you hear the stories, don't you? Um, gosh, yeah. so I feel very lucky in that respect. I feel very lucky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, certainly uh, my, my previous school man- management only summoned you when it was to uh, give you a telling off. And it took me quite some time to, you know, when I moved to this school to not, when when you get oh can you come and see me or you get that sort of feeling in your gut of oh god what now you yeah know? Uh, and it, it, it I, now I don't have it it's completely gone because I know they're either just going to ask me something or or we'll have a um a sensible conversation about something if they're concerned rather than you know yeah um, yeah the hairdryer treatment which is uh, what I was used to <laughs> yeah. yeah no fortunately yeah where I mean there's there's an awful lot more hairdryer treatment at the BBC than I ever get at um... <laughs> than I ever get in a school scenario environment, put it like that. Uh, so I've got to, got to ask about the elephant in the room. And that, because obviously, as I'm someone who's, as people like to point out, never left education, my whole, literally my whole DNA and my circadian rhythms are tied to that academic year and the rhythm of it in the extreme sort of binge work in the winter. And then suddenly you get to 
April, May, and, and you know, the early exams are over. So I think, I've got nothing to do. Um, how you've talked about the workload in teaching. Have you, do you agree with me that it's humongous at one point of the year and then lighter than anything else at the other? Is that yeah, your experience? I I mean, at the moment, I, I'm looking forward to experiencing the lighter part of the workload. I haven't really had that yet. I'll be brutally honest with you. As a as an NQT last year, um, and an NQT plus one this year, yeah, it is the workload that is the real is the thing that is is I find the hardest to deal with. Mm. Um, no, I haven't. <laughs> sorry, I haven't had that. I'm looking forward to that slightly lighter workload um, if it happens. But the having, I mean, well, year. six weeks off in the summer. Yes, yes, that is. It's a biggie. That, that, it is a biggie. Um, I mean, obviously, you know, you you you're, you're planning and you're you're yeah. worrying about other stuff and doing bits of work here and there. But yeah, I mean, that is wonderful, and I, I've got. I've got school-aged children, and so being able to follow those rhythms, even though you know last half term, you know, you spend a couple of days working and marking and doing whatever, mm. being able to follow the school school rhythms with them is is brilliant, actually, and it is a real bonus um, to sort of be to go through it with them, really, um, mm, and be be bonus. available when yeah, they are. Yeah, exactly, and you know, in the summer. You know, to go off camping for a couple of nights in the week and all that sort of thing, and not worry about it, is is wonderful, and it is a real. It's, it makes it very special. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And that must be right. dramatically different, I imagine, from your previous job. Where I, I, I'm guessing, if it was linked to the news, that you know, if something happens, you're called in, and and it's all hands. Yeah, on I mean, it's yes, yeah, yeah, yes, and no. I'm. I, in my previously, I mean, twenty years, things different. My first sort of ten, you know, five, five ten years, yes, very different. When I worked on breakfast TV, and it was, you know, a three hundred and sixty-five day a week operation, mm. um, and you had to fight to get Christmas off. So <laughs> yeah, very different. Once I moved more into the politics world, where obviously politicians, you know, Parliament closes down over the summer. Um, yes, yeah, true. It's yeah. Slightly less of a. It was slightly less of an issue um so i was maybe slightly more attuned to the rhythms than maybe other career changes were because mm -hmm. you know parliament also follows a school not a not dissimilar pattern in many ways um well actually weirdly i think it dictates a lot of of how the whole world works because i yeah. find you can't get any sense out of a lot of people in all sorts of professions <laughs> during that sort of august month because everybody yeah, everybody seems wedded to this cycle yeah yeah and and the same with christmas as well there's that sort of period isn't there where people are sort of <laughs> often working and not working yeah um over the christmas period but it certainly is you know it is it is definitely one of the lovely things about this job i mean not only that you know, my my hours sort of follow my my children's, but also that my children, I have much more of an awareness of what happens in their day and what their days are like. Uh, and they almost have a bit more of an awareness of what my days are like, um, which is also really nice, actually. Really mm. a lovely part of the job. Yeah. Yeah, fantastic. So, Katie, is Matthew uh, a fairly typical profile for the sorts of people that you have come to your organisation? Um, he's 
typically brilliant. Um, <laughs> he, he is typical in that I think we still have just slightly more men, which uh-huh. I always find That's interesting. Exactly. And I'm really glad about actually because, you know, we know it's a heavily female profession still. And yeah. I think for lots of obvious reasons, good to have more more men in. Um, he's not typical in his subject. We have more of a focus on um, our sort of main focus, if you like, or at least our sort of like is is STEM and shortage subject subjects mm-hmm. just to mention history is not so we recruit you know we spot everybody and we want I mean who wouldn't want someone who's worked at the BBC to be teaching absolutely. about history but we absolutely we also try and support sort of government priorities in in making sure that we can get lots of scientists and you know it was really interesting we had a sort of now teach social the other day I was talking to a uh, uh, reset someone who spent his career in in research doing science research and his just take on the curriculum and and how it works you know I'm not expert enough to know about it but he was just going to be having a very different conversation with these colleagues than would have been possible if he'd not had that and I think that's that's all yeah. so uh typical in gender typical in brilliance slightly atypical in subject um and how else might he be or not be typical I think I suppose what I think he's typical is the the things that he is bringing the the skills you know the skills that you actually have learned as a as a producer journalist that you were talking about of making complex subjects simpler or I imagine some of the technical things skills that will be useful to both your school and the students in terms of lived experience you know just again it's not better than younger but but different too mm-hmm. you know you, if you've got older children as you're starting to teach that's that's different to most teachers when they start to teach that's got to change the way you um are or if you've managed lots of people before or worked in big organ you know you're just bringing a whole bunch of different stuff and then I think also probably just in terms of kind of networks um you know one of the things obviously that I think now teach could be really helpful with is thinking helping schools think about careers and work experience and the world beyond and and so on and the BBC is not mysterious to Matthew and that's that's got to be good um for the students that he teaches and indeed for his wider school yeah yeah well sorry Matthew were you going to say something I was going to say yeah I mean in terms of uh, yeah you touched on the careers and I think what one thing that now teachers can bring is you know really interesting perspectives on careers and careers advice for students I mean I've already sort of done talks on how to get into journalism um and all that sort of thing for for my for my students and I have no doubt other now teach teachers will do similar things for their own trades um Mm. and just sort of just an aware you know being able to maybe support and you know think about other things that students need to think about in terms of if they want to get into a career um which might you know hopefully be hopefully be of, of benefit to students yeah absolutely i think um we've got a, a teachers talk radio show coming up fairly soon i think it's tom hopkins burke is doing it where um he'll be talking about the the, the dearth of careers education in schools and how that really has taken quite a hit over the last decade um, and I think absolutely having people in the profession that can at least talk to students about different jobs and different careers has, can only be valuable. Yeah. And I think yeah. it works both ways also. I think one of the things that we're increasingly interested in doing is what what can those people bring back to their former professions in terms of insight about why it may be that they tend to recruit in quite small 
pulls mm. you know what needs to be done differently because you if you've if you've had all that time in in one profession and now you're in a school and you see you see the world differently i'm optimistic that that could 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 change the way that people in corporates behave also yeah yeah they're, they're building those connections and bridges between mm, what's going exactly. on in education and, and those, exactly. the perception of their profession um yeah absolutely well I, I, and again i am going to be talking about the perception of our own profession teaching uh, in two weeks time uh, where i'm going to be interviewing harry hudson who's author, author of must do better how to improve the image of teaching so, so important he's i know, I know. And he's, yeah so so no i think that's i think it's so and i think so often we we do the greatest damage to ourselves and that's it's such a shame Catch we absolutely do <laughs> we talk we talk ourselves down and and what you touched on earlier which is this concept that everyone thinks they know what teaching is because they've been to school <laughs> And and he the authors address that in the in the first couple of chapters absolutely right that everybody thinks they understand and know what teaching is about when of course really they don't. No, exactly. Yeah, and I I, I would agree. That. And also as, as we mentioned earlier, how as far as I can see that the the profession of teaching has changed so much. You know, it it, it mm. as I've mentioned, yeah, it, it's a lot. See, it feels a lot more professional. Now. I think it now is um, a profession, whereas yeah, exactly. I think when you exactly. and I were at school, maybe not so much. Yeah, and I, you know, I, you know, I've had sort of friends of mine hint that suggest that what I was doing was some sort of lifestyle choice. And it's <laughs> yeah, it could not be further from the truth. Um, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's that's frustrating. Actually. Yeah. Um, well, it, it's that really ridiculous notion is it has to be a vocation and it you know there's all these there's all these emotions tied up I think there's a lot of emotional baggage tied up with teaching that that yes, I hope to unpick so in my next show well it was really interesting when we started and it still happens on sort of social media where I get you know I get that it must be but every time we'll talk about and our teacher there's a quite often teachers sort of say oh but you know it's 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 ridiculous to think that if you didn't start off teaching you can't be a teacher or something and he well actually that's that that means it's too it, it it gets it wrong it's it yeah we're not we don't treat it as a profession ourselves quite often um and treat it as as being yeah an identity an entire identity and i think that's i think that's very not right but yeah the brand we need some sort of we need the equivalent of the kind of nhs brand for teachers we haven't we cracked do. that we do and maybe maybe harry will give me some idea of it and plans <laughs> for that in a fortnight's time oh, well thank you we are out of time sadly but thank you both so much it's been thank absolutely you. fascinating and i've just been able to sit back and ask loads of questions which is possibly my favorite thing to do <laughs> well, it's lovely to have talked. Thank you. Yeah. Well, thank great. you so thank much, both of you. Asking me to come on. Ah, you're very, very welcome. And uh, I hope you will tune in and hear Harry in a fortnight's time. I we definitely will. Yeah, me too. Thanks ever so much, guys. Take care. Thank Thanks you. Very much. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.